Ladies and gentlemen, you do not know this from how it sounds, but my microphone is right in front of me in the air, and I'm so gassed about it. I feel so professional. Last show of 2020. Let's get it. In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. Fifth Element Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. I just adjusted myself and moved the mic a little bit to the right. I am so gassed about this. You have no idea. Like it's. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so happy about this. Just to be recording, and the microphone is above me, and not like I don't have to like lean forward I can just sit the hell back and just bring the mic to wherever I'm at I it's just it's just so liberating it feels so good I you you, I can't describe how like you like well myself like usually is but like I obviously my mic just has its own stand right and I have this little table that I can pull in and out of my you know main desk so to speak right and um, you know, I just I just pull out the pull out pull out desk mini desk so to speak, right? And then I place my mic there. Um, but the only thing is, and you know, I I kind of when I moved into um, the house I'm in at the moment, um, it came with this desk. Like the room just had this desk here, and it's a good desk. It's this this black it's glass. It's it's cool, right? Um, but the only problem is um, is it's very uh, jittery. Um, so if I move anything, it's just the the whole table shake, so to speak. It's not exactly on the most solid ground, but I don't know why, because my floor is carpet. I don't really see why. And the legs seem reasonably solid, but the, excuse me, the, um, what's what, uh, the, the mini table, like, like if I put any weight on it, it just, just goes, just, you know what I mean? And, uh, I've had some mic problems sometimes, uh, you know, not too often, but, uh, sometimes enough for me to be pissed off about it. And uh, for me to really want an arm. And uh, I now have an arm for my mic. And I'm so happy about it. I'm sitting back. My back is straight. Do you understand how fire this feels? Oh, I can't believe it. Um, but anyway. I uh, hope you're all doing well, Puff. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty freaking well right now. Uh, just in this moment. Um, you know, uh, I've copped a, copped a few things. Copped the Christmas stuff already. Got that done. Um, cause I'm, I'm one of those people that like to do it before December, you know what I mean? Cause everyone just rushes and rushes for that shit. And I'm just like, you know, it's Black Friday, you know, a day, uh, you know, weekend or week for some outlets. So I was just, and I saw a couple of deals here and there. So I was like, fuck it. Why not? Um, you know, I got a couple of Christmas stuff, got this arm, uh, I got some LED, I got some, I got some uh, strip lights I'm going to do, I'm going to hook up for myself, uh, late, uh, later on in the day. I'm not gonna do that right now, but I'm gonna do it probably sometime tomorrow after the, or during the night. I'm not sure. Uh, that's gonna look fire. Um, but yeah, man, I'm solid. I'm solid, man. Like the work's going well. It's all going swimmingly. Um, got some cool stuff happening on Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, 
I don't really know what else, man. I'm, I'm just feeling pretty solid. It's been a real solid week. Um, no, you know, uh, the past few weeks have just been a bit, uh, you know, just anxiety filled for several things. You know what I mean? And I'm just, I'm just like, eh. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it's good to have a week that's just been solid, and uh, you know, it just makes me feel. It just makes me feel better, you know what I mean? And uh, it's just it's just a week where stuff has gone right, everyone's on the same page, the vibes are good all round. Um, so I can't I can't complain. Um, as I record, literally, um, as I record, just got a notification that uh, Diego Maradona died. So uh, R.I.P. to him, I guess. Um, age sixty, uh, apparently of a think of a heart attack. Uh, apparently. Um, so yeah, there's that. <laughs> Didn't want to throw that in a week where so I literally just saw it. It literally just popped off my phone, so I thought it was worth saying. Um, as of the, as of this recording, um, so you know that's kind of bummed me out a bit, a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, it's the last episode of 2020. Um, I'm I'm guest. I'm, I'm guest to just just to just to do this last episode and like you know go go out on some real real hot shit. Um, I got so it's an all life uh, episode. I got some real good stuff here. Um, on the dock here, some real, just real heavy hitters, real heavy hitters, good information, a uh, couple of good stories, and uh, just some, just some stuff to think about as we go into, as we go into the end of the year, um, and uh, for me personally, obviously I'm going to spend this time, this, uh, this non-what's good time, I'm going to be uh, sorting out my end of year list, can't wait for that, uh, going to be sorting out, uh, a uh, little, uh, little special for the five EPN. Um, so you guys, so this won't be the, this won't, it won't technically be an, an episode of What's Good, but um, it will be on the What's Good feed as well as the rest of the pla- as well as the rest of the feeds on the five EPN. And uh, I might, I might, I might give you guys a little peek into a little thing I'm doing. Might do, might not. I'm thinking about it. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm mulling it over. Um, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm just, uh, you know, just gonna leave that out of there. Um, so yeah, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to taking this next month like just by the horns and just riding it bro like i'm just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna punch in some writing listen to some good music get my list sorted because i really love doing that i'm um, just looking back over the year have some good reflection all that good stuff and uh yeah can't wait for it it's my it's um it's it's in a way my favorite time of the year in a lot of ways um because i i oh, <laughs> I just pulled my earphones. <laughs> Shit, I'm gonna have to get used to that. Um, so, um, so yeah, uh, it's 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 one of my favorite times of year. Some uh, in in a lot of ways because um, I I just enjoy the reflection part of it. I really take this time to just reflect and to not not exactly plan because uh, you know I don't, um, I'm 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 not exactly a planning type. I'm not really a goal setting type either. But I do have stuff I want to do. Um, but I don't set them out as like, you know, these are goals I want to achieve by the end of the year. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, I want to do it and, you know, I'm going to have it in my head for the rest of, until I actually do it. So, you know, it's, it's if you want to count that as a goal, then sure. I just like to word it differently, I guess. Um, if I have something in my head and it sticks, then it's meant to be in some ways. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try and get it done. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a... So it's a it's a long it's a long way to the end of the year, got got a month left. But um, hey, man, let's just take it in right now. Let's just uh, spend this out with each other. Uh, thank you for listening once again and for the rest of the uh, for the past year. Um, obviously, uh, celebrate. Oh, didn't even didn't even, I've totally nearly forgot this before I begin. Um, happy birthday to this show. 
um, uh, turned two years old a couple of days ago on the 23rd. Um, so yeah, man, it's been it's been literally two four years of doing this show, and um, I'm I'm all the blessed for I'm I'm so blessed to have it honestly because uh, you know there's so many there's so much stuff I've learned in the past two years from this show alone from just looking and finding certain things to talk about and and just molding my own uh, view on the world and you know you guys have been on that journey with me hopefully. Uh, for most of this but even if it's your first episode listening you know if it's if it's 106 or episode one you know regardless it's, it's all blessed and i appreciate it um so uh yeah man so it's two years old cheers to that i guess <laughs> and uh let's let's go for it let's go for another one another 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 year around uh around the sun for the podcast and uh i might have some i might have some new stuff uh, by 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 the next episode um so Another, another, another little tease. I'm, I may or may not do. Not really sure if I'm gonna do or not, but we shall see. Anyway, let's get started. Format before we begin, as always. Uh, and oh, oh, I have downloaded my information uh, from Facebook. So I'm, I'm. All I have to do is just click that delete button. So by the end, by the next, by the next episode, by the time you hear me next on this, on this show, I won't have Facebook. Um, so that's gonna be interesting. Um, cool. Love it, love loving the prospect. Uh, but for now, email to IG, Facebook as well. Uh, everything else uh, to do with the show is in the full show notes. Please go check it out. Follow the people, support the people. They'll make this podcast possible. And if it's presented as me, so give me, a, give me, a, you know, give me a support. That'd be great. But listening is all well and good, honestly. I'm, I'm fine if you guys just listen, to be honest. But anyway, no further ado. Let the beat drop for the final time, 2020. And let's get into the show. In a week where, uh, during anti-bullying week, Pretty Patel is found to be a bully and still keeps her job. I, it's, it's, you can't write. You you can't write how poetic that was. Like a year's worth of inquiry, uh, digging into her, you know, uh, treatment to uh, people under her, and it turns out she's a piece of shit. Who knew? Who knew? And uh, Boris immediately, immediately went to bat, put on her, put on his cape for her, and uh, and and apparently in a leaked, I think, WhatsApp message, uh, it's like uh, we got to protect. The quote-unquote Pritster, um, which there's um, a joke that Nish Kumar said uh, recently. Um, no, I'm not just gonna I'm just gonna give him credit for this one, but uh, he said he said something is like um, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but it's like uh, that of all of all the of all the words starting with P to describe Pretty Patel, I'm surprised uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that of all of them, Boris Johnson used the word Pritster. <laughs> um, Hong Kong activist Joshua Wong pleads guilty to all charges related to the siege of uh, to a siege of police uh, headquarters in June 2019. And ladies and gentlemen, that shit's still going. You know what I mean? That, that Hong Kong shit's still going. Like, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's a real, there's a real respect I have there. You know what I mean? To just like keep, to just keep coming at them, like a China of all people, of all of all monoliths, right? To cut to 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 protest against and you know to stand strong on, uh, big ups Hong Kong man, just just all them vibes and big up Joshua Wong on that. 
Um, COVID-19 vaccine developed by the University of Oxford is 70% effective. Um, a little thing I want to ask you guys, right? Because I've been discussing this with a few people, a few people I know, right? And um, most of them have said to me, um, and, and, you know, I've posed this question to them. I was like, if it, you know, if the vaccine came, and I gave some parameters, right? And I said, if the vaccine came um, today, and it was 99% successful, right? 99% successful, right? Um, would you take it? Like, would you take, would you line up today? And a majority of them, most of them, I think all of them, if I'm pretty honest, right? Um, said, I'll wait. Now, I get, I get why, right? I, I get it. Because, you know, it's, it's most, a lot of vaccines, you know, take, you know, primary, not primarily, uh, most of the time, you know, they take years of research and all that stuff, you know, and several trials, animal trials and human trials, you know, there's a lot to it, right? And obviously, a, co- a corona vaccine coming in less than a year is a bit fast, right? I get it. I, I get the... I get the paranoid nature of this, right? I completely see where people are coming from. It is a bit fast, right? So it's like, whoa, really? Just like that already? Weird, but okay, right? But where do you think the 99% success rate has come from? That's my question to everyone, right? To, to the people that goes, the people the people that go, you know, I want, I want, I'm going to wait. I'm going to see if there's any, um, uh, if, if anyone's had any, you know, uh, uh, bad reactions to the, to the, to the vaccine, right? Um, where, do, where do you think the 99% number has come from? It's come from human tests. Like, the, the point of the tests is that so it's, is it so we, they can get the success rate, which in this hypothetical case is 99%, right? And, then bring it out to the general public. So, ipso facto, like, why wait? You know what I mean? And then, how long do you wait? That's another question. That's, that's my second question towards it. How long do you wait for uh, for a vaccine, right? Because if you wait long enough, and I'm not saying, you know, my people or, you know, anyone who says I'll wait, um, is, uh, will say, uh, you know, will wait long enough to be you know, in anti-vax territory and then be a threat to everyone around them because they don't have the vaccine, right? How long does that, how long is that waiting period? You know what I mean? And that can be a slippery slope. Like, say if everyone got the, got the vaccine, right? And then you don't in a space of six months, right? You're you're basically in anti-vax territory at that point. And, uh, you know, I'm not an anti-vax person, you know, and I, I get it from, you know, from some American perspective and may, I guess a few other countries, I'm not really sure, uh, looked up on that kind of stuff. But, you know, here in Britain, I, 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 I trust our medical system. I, I, I trust our medical system. Um, you know, I, I trust the NHS. I trust, you know, the medical system in general, right? Um, I don't trust Man, Man Hancock, but he's not the one doing the test, so I couldn't give a fuck. So, yeah, just a thought. Just something I throw out there. Seventy um, percent effective is not my cup of tea. Um, I prefer it be a little bit higher than that. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> continuing on. Uh, UK lockdown two and next week. Just a little tidbit for you guys. Uh, apparently, gyms and restaurants and all that stuff is opening again. Yippee skippy. Um, and uh, lastly, oh, oh, what was the um, 
What, what the fuck did uh, Boris Johnson say? He said some. He said some real dumb shit during a fucking uh, 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 during uh, 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 going uh, going uh, the uh, Christmas thing uh, that we're gonna do. I think uh, three families can mix or something. And he said some real such bullshit, like he's a fucking comedian or something. I was like, well, he, like, he talks to us like with five sometimes. Like you're not funny, bro. Sap in the face. Anyway. Um, Trump administration finally begins the transition for the Biden presidency. Yay, they're going to actually, you know, do what they do in a democratic system. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, we begin um, in our all-life episodes. Um, cycled by a Sally Wheel, education correspondent Guardian, saying, UK universities perpetuate institutional racism, report says. I, oh, let me, let me, let me. Let me, let me, uh, t- give me, give me a second, guys. Let me, give me a second. Let me just, uh, let me, let me just take a sip, sip of that, sip of that tea. Let me, let me just take a sip of that correction, um, that, that, that <laughs> I, I, I completely called, uh, I think months ago that, uh, UK, the UK universities just perpetuate racism. Mmm, tastes so good. Let's just jump right in. Let's jump right into the, to the, to the nitty gritty. Let's get the information out. UK universities, quote, perpetuate institutional ra- institutional racism, unquote, and vice chancellors should undergo training to improve racial literacy as part of a sector-wide crackdown, according to a report. UK universities, or UUK, <laughs> UK, <laughs> I had to say it, UK, uh, which represents uh, four- 140 institutions in England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, uh, calls on senior leaders to admit where there are problems of racism as at their institutions to improve understanding and awareness among staff and students of racism, racial microaggressions, white privilege, and white allyship. The report tackling racial harassment in higher education comes from an in- after comes after an inquiry by the government's Equality and Human Rights Commission (EHRC) found that universities were failing to address tens of thousands of racist incidents every year. And I literally mentioned the what was the one the, uh, last week? What was the one last episode? A kid got a, a racially profiled by um, Uni of Manchester Security. Like. I don't think you guys know how often this shit goes on. Like, I, don't, I really don't think you guys understand how often it goes on. Um, just because it ain't reported don't mean it happened. Anyway, uh, around a quarter of ethnic minority students uh, said they had experienced racial harassment and the EHRC concluded that many universities were unaware, unaware of the scale of the problem and were overconfident in their ability to respond, it, uh, respond to it. The, the OOC <laughs> uh, report is part of the sector's attempts to clean up its act, but while critics welcome the acknowledgement acknowledgement of institutional racism, they said real action was needed uh, rather than just warm words. As well as the prevalence of racial harassment on campuses, the report highlights the lack of diversity among senior leaders, the black, Asian and minority ethnic student attainment gap and ethnicity pay gaps among staff. Among the OOC's uh, recommendations... Universities are urged to review current policies and procedures for dealing with racism and develop new institution-wide, excuse me, new institution-wide strategies for tackling racial harassment. Vice chancellors are also advised to introduce new reporting systems to collect and share data on racist incidents and to engage directly with staff and students who have lived with with who have lived experience of racism. Professor David Richardson, the Vice-Chancellor of the University of East Anglia and Chair of the Advisory Group that drew up the recommendations, said, quote, It is my firm belief that UK, uh, that UK universities perpetuate institutional racism. This, uncom- this is uncomfortable to acknowledge, but all university leaders should do, uh, should do so as a first step 
uh, towards meaningful change. Too often, black, Asian, minority, ethnic students have uh, st- and staff have been failed. While they may have heard positive words, they have seen little action. That needs to change now, unquote. The OOC report uh, comes a week after the calls were made for Vice-Chancellor of the University University of Manchester to resign for an incident of alleged racial profiling. A first-year student said he was accused of, quote, looking like a drug dealer, fucking hell, uh, by security officers. Uh, There have also been allegations of racism at St. Andrews University this week, where a discrimination and harassment hotline has been set up. Uh, Professor Kawent Bhopal um, who is director of the Center for Research in Race and Education at the University of Birmingham, said an acknowledgement of structural and institutional racism in higher education was a positive step forward. Quote, however, this must be followed by, a re- by real actions resulting in change, as well as addressing white privilege. Hello. Uh, th- th- let me just stop right there, because he, he, he has a second quote, but I just wanted to get into this. Uh, you know, just them addressing white privilege, right? Do you remember a few episodes ago where I was talking about that woman, um, that Tory MP, um, who was a black woman, just to say, um, saying, you know, uh, talking on behalf of the whole Tory party, saying, uh, you know, uh, teaching, schools teaching about uh, identity, I, 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 forgot, I forgot the specific term she used, I don't know if it was identity politics or, uh, or, or maybe white privilege, it might have been white privilege, it might have been something as simple, as simple as white privilege. Um, and she was like, uh, uh, teachers shouldn't teach that, and if they should, they should be fired or some shit. I'm just like, and, and now universities are doing, are saying the exact opposite thing that you know this shit needs to be, you know, uh, accounted for. Um, there should be numbers on, and uh, you know, address addressed, like you know, and, and stomped out. It's just funny. It's just funny how the government says one thing, but um, university body uh, says something else. It's just. It's just fascinating to me. Anyways, continuing on with this quote. Uh, Too often we see reports such as which, uh, such as this, uh, which result in sidestepping, addressing racial inequalities under the guise of equality and diversity. What is needed is is a specific focus on race so that it does not get diluted in the equality and diversity discourse. I don't want to say discourse that way. Discourse. Discourse. Uh, Unquote. uh, Jenny Sherrod. Uh, Sherrod, uh, who is head of equalities at University College Union, at university and at the University and College Union. Okay, I thought it was a university of all time. <laughs> I said universities were quick to uh, state their anti-racist credentials, quote, but we need more than warm words from institutions in order to ensure that our higher education sector is equal and inclusive. Um, yeah, so this is, this is just fascinating to me as, uh, as, as reports go. Um, you know, I love me some reports, I just love me some information, some hard information of people researching into good shit. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just glad that something like this has been accounted for. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, in due time, um, there will be um, just continual updates on something like this, um, accounting for it nationwide, um, from university to university, and, uh, you know, just... Just hope, hope this shit doesn't happen on a weekly basis, right? I, I swear this shit happens on a weekly basis. It's depressing to think about. It really is depressing to think about. Like, I will say, right, for me personally, I feel kind of... I'm glad, right, obviously, that I had... In my university experience, in those three years I was at Solent, I did not experience any... Oh, actually, let me think about that. 
I first hand, <laughs> I first hand didn't experience any racism, but I experienced racism secondhand. Um, I I did so. Um, you know, regardless if it's second, first, second, or third hand, it's still racism, and you know, it's still it's still in my head in some way, and you know, it's, it it adds to the experience, and it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. There's enough bullshit happening in universities anyway. You know, just to. Um, from a social perspective, right? If, <laughs> there's tons of that shit. Racism shouldn't should shouldn't uh, like, bro. There's too much. There's too there's too much going on in university anyway. From a social perspective, right? And you're telling and you're telling me I have to deal with racism. I was like, no, fuck off. Um, but yeah, you know, I didn't get the worst of it, and I'm happy for that. For me personally, obviously, but this shit still happens, this shit still happens, I, I'm, it may happen in Solent, I'm not sure, I'm not gonna let him off the hook, I'm not sure, um, but, uh, uh, you know, it, and I feel like even if so, unless it's, unless it's reported to an outside body, I don't feel like going to the university is always the best option, because most of the time you hear about it is from reports about, is, is either from, like, uh, you know, social media, like, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, was it? Was I in? Was I in uni at that point? It may have been like, yeah, it may have been. Um, I remember like there was an incident happened at a uh, Nottingham Trent University, and um, there was this like this black woman who um was getting like racially abused um in front of her own door. Like she was in her dorm room, and like there was these pe- there was like this, I think I think a white dude or several of them um just like shouting racial epithets just in front of her door. Like that's just crazy, and the only reason that was uh, that was talked about was because people threw it on social media. Um, people in Nottingham Trent University, you know, fellow I guess um, other other black people or just other people, other students, just flagged it up. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it, I don't think it. Ha- I don't think universities actually like you know. Oh, let's yeah, let's just report this to the local Echo. You know, what I mean, they're, they're not going to do that. They're going to try and deal with it internally. All that bullshit. So like. You know, guys, if any of that, if if you know anybody that has that shit happened, um, in in you know in real time, just either throw on social media, shout that shit out, or just go to a local paper or something like that, or local radio station. I don't know, but just I I don't feel like going to the universities, um, a university body in any way, um, is the way to go. I, I just don't know. I just don't see it like it's the best way. So, but anyway, apart from that. Solid report. Let's see how that progresses. And we move on to uh, a real fascinating one. This is a real fascinating story. Just like, I I, I can't believe there's people like this exist. Uh, Well, I can't. Okay, let me rephrase. Um, I'm surprised there are people like this exist. Excuse me, that are successful <laughs> with it, and uh, I guess uh, live to tell the tale, kind of thing. So this is um, this is uh, called uh, "I Steal from Museums," very succinct, um, and it's uh, but and it's uh, all about the story of uh, I say this word, uh, Umwazulu uh, Diabanza, Umwazulu Diabanza, and uh, yeah, let's just jump right in. This is great. This is. A, it's fucking banging. Um, it's it's fa- it's fairly shortish. Um, but it's it's just banging in terms of just what he's about and what he's doing. It's just I I highly support it. Uh, 
and it's written by him in a sense. Um, it's told it's to, it was told to a journalist. Um, shout to Alexander Dury. Um, but it's mainly his voice. His voice. So, uh, anyway, it's in first person. Uh, I am a pan-African activist campaigning for reparations for the crimes against African people committed during colonialism. Recently, I have taken matters into my own hands. I go to museums that exhibit African artifacts. I tell the truth about how these items were looted and stolen from Africa, and then I take them. (laughs) I have been deeply political for as long as I can remember. I was born in 1978 in Kinshasa, Kinshasa, uh, the capital of what was then Zaire, and is now the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, of the Congo. Uh, my father was a revolutionary and led the 1968 coup d'etat that overthrew the Congolese government. When I was a child, my mother would tell me stories of pa- uh, Patrice uh, uh, Lumumba, uh, the father of Congolese independence. I was 13 when I joined a political party, the Union for Democracy and Social Progress, the UDPS. After finishing high school, I started teaching myself more about international relations, uh, international relations law and African history. I wanted to explore the bonds that unite all African people. I am now the leader of a pan-African activist group, Unité, Dignité, Courage, uh, and an organisation that fights for the liberation and transformation of Africa. We believe the wealth amassed by Western nations through our works of art must be returned and the goods given back to the African people. On June the 12th, uh, I started to put uh, put these plans into practice. I travelled to the Quai Branly Museum in Paris uh, with a few other activists. A recent report commissioned by Emmanuel Macron found that France has about 90,000 objects from sub-Saharan Africa. More than two-thirds of uh, two-thirds are at the Quai Branly. Um, I'm, I hope I'm saying Quai Branly right, but I'm just, my Britishisms Quai Branly. It's probably Quai Branly or something. <laughs> I took a I took a 19th century Bari funerary post. Uh, when a king died, the post would be uh, sorry. When a king died, the post would be placed in front of the grave. It was the only piece that was within our reach. I didn't. It didn't weigh much, so it was easy to take. With the post in my hands, I started speaking in the museum and on a Facebook live stream, explaining how these objects were taken. A crowd gathered. The police arrived, but didn't know what to do, so they listened to us. After half an hour, we were handcuffed and taken into custody. Security took back the post, and charges were pressed for attempted theft of a registered artwork. Interesting that, isn't it? Registered artwork. Funny how that works. After that, I was on a roll. I took a sword from the MAAOA Museum in Marseille, uh, and a Congolese religious statue from the Africa Museum in Berg, uh, Bergendal, I assume I'm saying Bergendal, right? Uh, in the Netherlands, in September. In each case, we were stopped by police... And the items were returned. In October, I went to the Louvre to take a 19th century Anadio uh, swimming sculpture from Indonesia. I was arrested and detained in prison for three days. After our action at the Choir Brandy, I and four others stood trial for attempted theft on 30th September. Our lawyers said that we are not thieves, but activists fighting for, for political causes. The case became a big story in the French press, encapsulating the national debate about what should be done with the spoils of colonialism. The charges had a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison and a €150,000 fine. I was fined €1,000 for aggravated theft. The judge recognised the activist nature of my action, 
but it said he wanted to discourage such stunts. I will appeal against the fine, but I don't think it is for me to pay this. It is for the choir brandy and the French state. At the time of writing, I'm awaiting trial for, uh, for our other three actions on charges of attempted theft in Marseille, the Netherlands and Paris for the act of the Louvre. But whatever the country, I will continue. These artifacts belong to me because I am African Cong- and Congolese. But also because I am a descendant of, give me a second, Ntumba Mvemba, one of the royal families that founded the Kingdom of Congo, with a K, spelled with a K, Congo, in 1390. I am the great-grandson of the governor of Mupangu, uh, second in command to the throne and a leader of one of the 12 provinces of the Kingdom of Congo. People have to understand that if someone stole their heritage, they would react as I am now. Many of my ancestors died protecting these items. They were beheaded. They refused to accept that these objects would be taken, and they were killed. Their pain is inside me. And that's, that's uh, the entirety of it. Um, you know, pretty short. I just found I just found reading that um, just absolutely fascinating to me. Um, you know, when, when I when I initially when I watched like you know someone like Black Panther, right, and um, obviously the first scene uh, with. Um, of Michael B. Jordan's character Killmonger, you know, hopping in the British Museum, and uh, you know, just you know, saying, "Oh, where is that?" And then the, he's saying, "It's wrong. I came from Wakanda. I'm taking it back." Da 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 da. You'll hopefully you've all seen the film. Like, don't know what the fuck you doing if you haven't. Um, and um, you know that that shit was very for a, for a film of that magnitude to talk about a subject as. You know, to a lot of people, especially in European circles, a sensitive topic um, was absolutely just... I, I just put some air in my chest, man. Or real air in my chest. Um, I've never really... I've never really understood uh, why or how even um, European countries go about this and see this as morally right. Uh, I like it's, 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 it seems so weird to me that they just see this and go, yes, yeah, it's, it's fine, it's fine. Don't worry where we got it, it's fine. Like I think um, there was a, a sign I saw recently actually um, about, uh, funny enough, about France, and it was um, it was talking about how much they have in their gold reserve, and uh, the post I saw. Um, said that you know they have all all of this gold reserve. I've got the number. It's a big number, right? It's a, you know substantial number, and uh, it said below it. Um, but but they don't have. But France doesn't have any um, gold mines. They have no you know. <laughs> so where did it come from? Obviously, you can take a guess where it came from, right? <laughs> Considering what we're talking about here, and I just find it just. Oh, I just find it so interesting. And actually put, and it's actually put something in, uh, uh, an interesting thought in my head. I I, re- I literally just had a film idea right now. I, li- I literally just had a film idea right now that's just popped into my head, and I really w- just want to write that right now. Let me write that down right quick because I'm I'm gonna forget it, and I'm not gonna tell you guys what it is because you're gonna steal it from me. I'm joking. I I just I just like to be coy about this shit. But honestly, I just I just thought of a really boss idea. So, so don't mind me. <laughs> As I write something in my notes, um, but yeah, it's um, th- this whole thing just jars me. Um, so 
but you know, in general, um, you know, as I, as I just want to move on, but shout out to Mr. Diabans, honestly, because like that's just a real, that's a cause, that's a righteous cause if I've ever seen one, and um, you know, all the support to him. Hopefully, um, the fines he gets from these, you know, do not he. Hopefully, he doesn't have to pay them because he shouldn't, because he's doing the correct thing here. You know, maybe he's doing it on a you know on a very um. In 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 modern times, a very um, you know illegal thing officially by law is illegal, right? But by protests, by an activism standpoint, by a simply moral standpoint, what's the problem? Like, explain to me what is the problem here? Honestly, like he's not he's not beat he's not beating the shit out of like the security guards, right? He's just taking them. Like, he's literally just picking the things up and taking them. He's not hurting anybody, right? So if he, like, blew up the building, right, you know, after he took the shit, then, yeah, there would be there would be grounds there, right? But he's literally just taking it. And is obviously just trying to prove a point, knowing he's not, he, knowing he's not going to leave the building with it. He's obviously making the point here. And, you know, it's a solid, it's a salient point. It's a solid point. And uh, I, I, I fully support it. So um, shout out to Mr. D'Avanger on that. Solid story. Um, yeah, man. And uh, I hope stories like this just come across more. Um, to uh, Come to me, come uh, come across me more. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I find it so inspiring just seeing people like this doing something that for him personally, the personal mission that he has is just super strong. Um, just like finishing off where like his bloodline comes from. And all of that is just absolutely ad- admirable. So, uh, yeah, shout out to him and shout out to all the activists, um, you know, do, um, taking action for shit like this in especially Europe. Because, um, you know, it's, it's no there's no reason there's no reason for, have, for them to have this any uh, for to have this stuff. Like you're out of colonialism life. So I don't what well, I don't see the point. Um, so yeah, return all the shit to Africa if, in my in my mind always. So we move on to this absolutely bombshell article, um, and it's actually very timely because uh, if you guys don't know. Uh, there was recent reports that uh, Boris Johnson was going to uh, basically announce that the military budget was going to be raised. He said to a, a speech in Parliament recently, uh, says uh, says on this uh, little just article I just found, uh, just to explain what's going on uh, in terms of details. Uh, prog- uh, updating lawmakers on the progress of the biggest defence and foreign policy review in, th- in three decades. Johnson announced an initial $22 billion uh, in well, this is dollars, so uh, convert that to pounds, guys. Uh, but yeah, t- twenty billion dollars uh, in defense spending over the next four years, adding to the current annual budget of fifty-five billion. Right. So that was just fascinating to me, considering that you know we have everything going on, um, you know, obvious, o- obvious shit going on, right? And all the shit that has been shoved under the uh, under the rug because everything is just either covid or the exit and there's just multiple other problems going on in the uk right now um that we should be considering but 
obviously we got these two big ass things in the way. Um, well, one one was obviously uh, well, they're both perpetuated by a shit government. Let's just, let's just be real about it. Um, but I found this report uh, literally a few days afterwards, and uh, it's basically a, 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 a literally a, a literal bombshell report. It's a, it's research. Um, it's a it's a actual revelation. Um, so this is by Phil Miller. Um, via the Daily Maverick, and it says that uh, the UK's military military's overseas base network involves 145 sites in 42 countries. Um, so let's just jump right in because uh, it's just, just like like this shit was not, this is unknown, right? Most of this shit is unknown. Um, you know, we we can we can talk about stuff like you know the Falklands, but even in that, there's stuff. There's more stuff to that. So let me just dive right in. So uh, it starts off with um, some uh, just bullet pointers. And then we'll get into the actual nitty-gritty. Uh, so uh, one bullet point says, UK military has uh, base sites in five countries around China, naval base in Singapore, garrisons in Brunei, drone testing sites in Australia, three facilities in Nepal, and a quick reaction a quick reaction force in Afghanistan. Cyprus hosts 17, 17 UK military installations, including firing ranges and spy stations, with some located outside UK's quote-unquote sovereign-based uh, sovereign-based areas, unquote. Britain maintains military presence in seven Arab monarchies where citizens have little or no say in how they're governed. UK personal, uh, personnel are stationed across 15 sites in Saudi Arabia, supporting the internal repression and the war in Yemen. And at 16 sites in Oman, some run directly by the British military. In Africa, British troops are based in Kenya, Somalia, Djibouti, Malawi, uh, Sierra Leone, Nigeria and Mali. Uh, many UK overseas bases are located in tax havens such as Bermuda and the Cayman Islands. So let's just get into the nitty-gritty there. That was the bullet points. Let's get into the write-up. Uh, Britain's military has a permanent presence in 145 bases in 42 countries or territories around the world. Research by Declassified UK has found. Uh, the size of this global military presence is far larger than previously thought. And it's likely to mean that the UK has the second largest military network in the world after the United States. Let's just let that sink in for a minute. Like, what the fuck are we doing? What do we need all this for? Why do we need such a military presence? Continuing on. It's the first time the true size of this network has been revealed. The UK uses 17 separate military installations in Cyprus as well as 15 in Saudi Arabia and 16 in Oman. The latter both dictatorships who uh, with whom... The UK has especially close military relations. Obviously, I've talked about Saudi Arabia uh, several times. Fuck Saudi Arabia. Um, the UK's b- uh, base sites include 60. Um, it manages itself. Uh, in addition to 85 facilities run by its allies, where the UK has a significant presence. These appear to fit the description of what General Mark Carlton's, uh, Carl- yeah, Carlton? Carlton? Uh, Smith, uh, Britain's Chief of General Staff, of the general staff, recently termed as <laughs> lily pad sites, uh, which the UK, yeah, which the UK has easily has easy access to, as and when required. The classified has not included the in the figures, uh, the UK's small troop contributions to UN peacekeeping missions in South Sudan or Cy- or the Cyprus buffer zone, nor staffing commitments at NATO administrative sites in Europe or most of its sp- uh, special forces deployment deployments, which are largely unknown. The findings come days after Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced uh, an extra £16 billion would be spent on the UK military uh, over the next four years, a 10% increase. The spending announcement was uh, originally uh, meant to be combined with a review of defence strategy. 
that was being championed by Johnson's former chief advisor, Dominic Cummings. Yay! The ripples continue. Uh, the result of Whitehall's integrated defence review are now not expected until next year. Indications suggest the review will recommend a traditional British strategy of building more overseas military bases. Last month, former Defence Secretary Michael Fallon uh, said the UK needs a more permanent presence in Asia's P- Asia Pacific region. Asia Pacific region. What? <laughs> Asia Pacific. Uh, the current Defence Secretary Ben Wallace has gone further. In September, he announced a £23.8 million investment on uh, to expand Britain's army and navy bases in Oman to accommodate the Royal Navy's new aircraft carriers as well as many tanks. The fuck? Uh, let's, let's, let's continue a little bit. The rise in China is leading many Whitehall plans to believe uh, Britain needs military bases in the Asia-Pacific region to counter Beijing's power. However, the UK already has military base sites Excuse me, in five countries around China. These include naval logistics base at Se- Sebawang Wharf in Singapore, where eight British military staff are permanently based. Uh, the base provides Britain with a commanding position overlooking the Malacca Strait. I hope I said that right. Uh, the world's busiest shipping lanes, uh, which are key, which are a key choke point for vessels sailing from the South China Sea to the Indian Ocean. The MOD has previously told Declassified, "Quote: Singapore is a strategi- strategically important location for commerce and trade. Singapore's most elite police unit is recruited by British soldiers and commanded by UT- UK military veterans." As well as having a naval base on the rim of the South China Sea, the British military has even more central basing location in Brunei, near disputed Spratly Islands. The Sultan of Brunei, a dictator who recently proposed a death penalty for homosexuals, uh, pay, f- pays for British military support in order to stay in power. He also allows a British, the British oil giant Shell to have a major stake in Brunei's oil and gas fields. Oh my gosh. This shit is so... This, uh, so we give money to a dude that kills homosexuals. Like, what the fuck is the problem, man? Seriously. Like, we literally have zero morals as a country. Like, lo- low-key, honestly. Like, when you get down to the nitty-gritty. This is why... This is why, like, um... Liberal... This, this liberal bullshit going around, like, of... You know, all that... All that just the Black Lives Matter stuff, and, you know, it's so, some of it can be so performative, man, it's just, it's just tiring, like, we can have, like, politicians, right, talk about pride, and LGBTQ, and all that stuff, but yet, the government gives money to a dude that kills homosexuals, like, what, where the, where the fuck is the moral fibre in, in just anything, uh, it, it just—it's just so hard to ask. Am I am I being naive? Am I being one of those people that's just like, oh, you don't know how the real world works, man? Uh, am I am I one of those people? Is it so hard to ask for 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 people to have, just have morals in their in 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 the world in positions of power? Is that so hard? Uh, it just it just jars me. It, it it's jarring. It's so jarring. Um, where should, where should I go, where should, where to go next, where to go next, da, 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 da. Declassified files show that in 1980, British troops in Brunei were based on land provided by Shell, and in the middle of their headquarters complex. So this has been going on for years, decades. Well, especially the Brunei one, anyway. 
Uh, Declassified always found that the UK is also also has around 60 personnel spread across Australia. Some 25 of these hold defence attaché 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 roles um, in the British High Commission in Canberra and at uh, Australian Defence Department sites near the capital, such as the Headquarters Joint Operations Commander uh, Bungendor. What's the what's the name? Bungendor. Uh, the remainder are are an exchange to 18 separate Australian military bases, including Warren Officer, Australia's Electronic Warfare Unit in Cabra. Let's continue, continue, continue. Afghanistan, Germany, mentions of Germany, Russian, uh, <laughs> RAF bases, Estonia and Lithuania. Uh, I guess that was to, to you know, uh, keep an eye on Russia, I assume. Um, yeah, so it's mentioned Russia here. A map obtained by the classifier shows that mil- the UK military can use a large area of land outside uh, Ak- Akrotiri, known as Lima, as a training area. The classified previously revealed that low-flying British military aircraft has been the co- has caused the death of farm animals in Lima training area. Oh, that's great. We're killing animals in Lima. That's great. Yeah, this um, this is a fat piece of this is a fat piece of uh, information. Like there is this is so deep. Like this goes so deep. I'm not gonna read it all uh, for the sake of time, obviously. But shout to Phil Miller. Um, this is just a ama- this is just an outstanding uh, piece of journalism in general. Um, and I I just um oh oh wait let me let me let me, let me give you one more because it's one isn't one near the end here. Uh, in Nigeria, around nine British troops are on loan to the Nigerian Armed Forces amid its controversial human rights record. <laughs> British troops seem to have a regular access to Kaduna International Airport, where they train local forces to guard against the threat from Boko Haram. Sure, Amnesty Inter—I'm sure that's all they do. Amnesty International alleges that 10,000 civilians have died in detention camps run by Nigerian military, one of which was part-funded by the UK. And SARS, yeah. And SARS. Uh, I know SARS ain't military, but fucking hell, what? Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <sighs> On that note, I'm going to leave it there, but fucking hell, man. This is just outstanding. Just, uh, outstanding in many in many different uh, contexts. Um, outstanding piece of journalism, but just outstanding, just lack of morals. Just, oh my gosh, have to... Like... I was, um, I'll, st- I'll, I'll finish here um, with, the, with the, something I was thinking about, actually. Um, so there's a game, so there's a game called Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of Patriots, right? Um, if you guys know Metal Gear Solid, you know, you know the deal, you know I'm going to be talking about here. Um, for those who don't know, so, you know, originally a stealth game, uh, this, uh, this particular iteration is, uh, isn't the most stealthy one. Um, but basically it's based in alternate reality, um, where the, you know, our current climate is basically, everything is run, uh, ran by war economy. Right, so uh, you know, uh, private military companies. Uh, there's five of them across the world, and they basically just control everything. And like all, all the, the only way to get in life, get around in life is just war. It's just war, just war economy, proxy wars. Don't matter who's fighting who. Doesn't matter. Like it's just it's still still money. As long as the money keeps flowing, as long as people keep buying weapons, etc., etc., etc. Right, and that's just the gist of it. It's, it's a very loose gist of it. How is this not the same? Like how the fuck is this not the same? Just, 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 no matter who it is, whether it's a dictator who's killing homosexuals, whether it's Saudi Arabia and all the bullshit they do, um, 
trying to keep an eye on China for whatever fucking reason when um you you, you guys are literally doing fuck all about Hong Kong. Um, it, it just it just baffles me. Like I I don't know whether this is chest puffing. I don't know what the fuck the attitude is, but it it just doesn't. I'm sorry if it doesn't compute with me, but it's just annoying. It, it's just. It just don't make sense. It, it really don't. It, it really don't make sense to me. I don't. I don't see the reasons for this. I'm. I'm probably being naive here. I probably am. I'm. I'm completely open to the fact that I might be being naive here. But all of that. The, the, what, what was the? What was the? What was the? What was the? What was that main? What was that main bit? Them. They, they. They said it was like um, uh, uh, connected to the United States. Oh yeah. UK likely to mean that the UK has the second largest military network in the world after the US. Like, just think about that. It's fucking mad. It's actually fucking mad. Um, So anyway, yeah. Once again, shout out to Phil Miller. Um, I'm just going to leave it there, but... Fuck me. Unbelievable. going to finish up with uh, a word that we have all uh, become accustomed to in recent years um, and that is woke um, I, don't, I don't usually I don't use the word woke personally um, it's not my not my kind of word um, yeah, I feel not, not no reason really I just, just don't really feel like I don't know stop I just don't feel like saying it <laughs> it's not my it's not a word I feel like you, you gotta be woke man so I, don't, I don't know how to put it in my way in my lexicon <laughs> if that makes any sense uh, but i found this uh, fascinating uh, little little piece here um this is by uh, kenya hunt um and this is basically a uh, an excerpt from uh, her book uh, girl uh, essays on black womanhood um actually drops uh, tomorrow as is, uh, uh, as uh, so as this episode drops you can cop girl um essays on black womanhood um, uh, everywhere you get your books, so uh, you know, just a little little shout to little shout to Kenya Hunt there. Uh, but this is this is about uh, I guess a little part of her uh, part of the book uh, about the term woke, and uh, I just found it an interesting read because um, you know we we people people have their different connotations and contexts and in, in terms of how you know they perceive the word woke now. Um, it's 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 evolved a lot in the past like five years especially. Like it used to be one thing, but now it's like a lot of other things. Um, it's a lot. So uh, she actually um, uh, gets into a little bit here. So uh, yeah, let me, let me just uh, uh, let's just uh, let's just dive right in. Dive on in. As I write this, I am starting a, a fashion magazine with the cover line "Woke Bespoke." Next to it, a newspaper supplement features a dating diary of the search for Mister Woke. On my desktop is a guide to a woke Christmas. And then the adjacent tab is an internet rant in response to said guide demanding people and publishers leave all writing about wokeness to black writers. In another tab, an article bemoaning the great awakening of American politics. Meanwhile, on British television, a debate rages between royal correspondents and pundits about whether the royal family's most polarising members, Meghan and Harry, have in fact become too woke for their own good. But what is woke? Most online dictionaries define it as a perceived awareness of inequality and other forms of injustice that are normally in racial nature, normally racial in nature. 
A few describe the term as characterising people who are merely with it. As in, every cool kid you know, you knew at uni. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, and increasingly, these days, many use it as a pejorative term to describe someone who is a slave to identity politics. How can all three possibly be the same? It's a, sensibi- it's a sensibility, uh, a quality, a state of being, a feeling backed up by a set of actions, sometimes all of these at once. I can't think of a word that reflects the era as well as woke does. There is a relative... There is its relative newness, uh, it was born and grew up alongside social media, its popularity is a hashtag, and it's, uh, if you've ever put hashtag woke, then yeah, then yeah, that's just, I'm, 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 I'm not even, I'm not on that train, like, I've never been on that train, like, why, why, I've never been into hashtags like that, it's just, eh, I don't know, not my, not my steez, um, uh, and its political implications and activist leanings. There's also its journey from black culture to the internet and mainstream news. All of these qualities are extremely po- uh, particular to this moment. Confession. I dislike the word, especially since 2016 when MTV c- declared the term the new on fleek. Ugh, uh, 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 uh. Sorry, I just heaved a bit. Um, <laughs> ironic, considering I am textbook woke. I identified with what it was, uh, what it was, but cringe at what it has come to mean. There you go. Shout, see, she she's speaking, speaking bars right there. Shout to Miss Hunt on that one. That's a bar. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. Like I feel like I identify with it, but what it comes to, what it's come to mean, uh, eh, nah, not not about it. Um, and bristle at the way the word is now weaponized. Exactly facts. Um, the disparity compels me to interrogate the term in, and its evolution. Susan Songtag writes. Uh, in notes on camp, which inspired this essay, no one who quote no one who wholeheartedly shares in a given sensibility sensibility can analyze it. He can only whatever his intention exhibit it. To name a sensibility, to draw its contours, and to recount its history requires a deep sympathy modified by revulsion. Unquote. So let's consider what woke is and what it is. Number one, woke extends to conversations around art, politics, economics and social class, gender inequality, trans rights and environmentalism. But woke in its original incarnation rests on activism and blackness. Number two, the essence of wokeness is awareness. Uh, The essence of woke is awareness. Uh, What you are newly aware of, uh, if it's a pay gap, systemic racism, unchecked privilege, etc. And what to do with that newfound knowledge is the question. And the answer keeps changing depending on who you talk to. But regardless, you've answered the wake-up call, pushed your way out of bed, and are now listening. Number three, to be woke, in the original sense, is to understand James Baldwin's declaration, quote, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be enraged almost all the time, unquote. It is to understand the unique kind of exhaustion that comes from being perpetually attuned to discrimination. It is to be weary and wary. To be woke is to lo- uh, is to long for a day when one doesn't have to stay woke. Oh, that's a bar. The whole thing's a bar. Number three, bar. Uh, most date woke. Uh, mo- oh yeah, most date woke's origins back to the American singer-songwriter Erica Badu's anthemic political med- melody uh, medley. Sorry, Master Teacher from her album New America, which she released in two thousand eight. Bardu sings over a psychedelic collage of samples about a quest for a new plane of enlightenment. Uh, some bars here. I am known, or lyrics, I am known to stay awake, a beautiful world I'm trying to find. The world, uh, uh, some quote, 
Uh, the world recalls Spike Lee's famous qui- uh, cry to wake up in his seminal film School Days, as his character, student at a fictitious, historically black university, demands his light-skinned, worshipping, good-hair-seeking, sex-addicted peers to uh, wake up from self-hatred and materialism and become aware of the injustices in their community and ideally do something about it. Number five, you can find a pocket guide to the essence of woke in the chorus of Charles Gambino's single Redbone, banger, uh, for a uh, Funkadelic-esque R&B song released in 2016 that warns you better believe in something. Equal past lustful, slow jam and cautionary social commentary. It implores listeners to resist the comfort of complacency and ignorance or pay the price. Now don't close your eyes. Uh, unquote. <laughs> Quote, unquote. It's an idea that Jordan Peele expanded on his horror film Get Out, which is the song in its opening scene, because as the movie makes clear, its protagonist slowly becoming aware of an elaborate plot to co-opt his body and trap his mind in an abyss called the sunken place. The consequences of sleeping are indeed horrific. These examples solidified woke as the mood of a new era, rising in the aftermath of the modern-day horror story that was the E referendum and election Donald Trump, a time when our freedoms can feel like they're on the line. Stay woke, don't get caught, don't get hypnotised, don't close your eyes. Um, and just to stop for a second, there was actually um, a Hollywood Reporter um, poll, I guess you want to call it, um, saying uh, it was about the, I think, 3,500 3, industry professionals picked their favourite films of this century so far or something like that. And uh, Get Out was number one. And I was just like, and I was just thinking, so you guys will happily vote Get Out for, you know, y- y- your favourite film of the you know, past decade or century. I forget what the time frame was. Uh, it was yeah, it was decade. I think it was the past decade. Um, and, uh, and not have it for best picture. Do you guys actually remember the film that beat it for best picture? Don't Google it. Just to, to see, to answer me that if you actually can get it without Googling it. Just let me know. Anyway, number six. The goal is to wake up and then stay that way. As in, be on guard, ready to recognise, call out and actively resist the biases, fake news and inequalities as they come, as members of the Black Lives Matter movement do. Po- uh, posting smartphone footage of unlawful killings, assaults and arrests, sometimes with the hashtag stay woke, and campaigning for legislif- legislative change. Woke is serious business, often said aloud with a raised closed fist reminiscent of the famous Black Power salute at the 1968 Mexico City Games. Number seven, and uh, just to say, there are 15 of these, so, you know, halfway through, just uh, just then you know. Uh, and obviously, uh, oh, well over now, but who gives a shit? It's the last episode of the year, who gives a shit? I'm going to go two hours if I really want to. I'm not, but anyway. Number seven, despite its changeable uh, nature and twistable journey, Woke is inextricably linked with the rise of black consciousness, which has never really gone away, but rather has had urges and swells. But can you be Woke and not black? Number eight. If you believe BuzzFeed, Woke is also the much-needed awakening of the privilege to all manner of social ills and the willingness to call them out, usually in the form of a white, cisgender, heteronormative man recognising that others who are not white, cisgender, heteronormative, and male are often denied equal rights, treatments, and pay. See the website's love letter to Orange is a New Black star Mac McGorry, a self-proclaimed feminist and BLM supporter. Can we talk about how woke Mac McGorry was in 2015? Number nine. Woke is also actor Anne Hathaway speaking out against the kin of black teenager Nia Wilson and challenging white people to check their privilege and recognise, quote, black people fear for their lives in uh, daily in America. Number 10. Woke is also Tarana Burke making the hashtag MeToo go viral 
in, and inspiring hundreds of thousands of women to recognize and voice their experiences with sexual assault. Number 11. Woke is also a punchline, the wink of an ending to an online joke made, making fun of the perceived worthy righteousness of woke culture. The stuff of satire, usually said aloud with accompanying gestured air quotes. Number 12. Woke is often the result of the culture of cultural appropriation. Oh, I like this one. Which is tragically ironic given this uh, one. This is, this is one of the very things the act of staying woke would be on high alert against. See Woke's journey from black political circles to white internet slang via headlines in mainstream media. Also see the Evening Standard's Wokeometer, which, <laughs> did they actually have that? That's fucking depressing. Uh, which measured people on a scale of asleep, Theresa May, to woke, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh, not J.K. Rowling. Oh no. Oh. Poor Evening Standard. Uh, and included no people of colour. Brilliant. God love you in standard day. Number 13. Not only is woke a political state of mind, it's never been commodified. It has been commodified. When Nike featured Colin Kaepernick, the NFL style protested against police brutality by refusing to stand for the national anthem during his nationally televised games. Many accused a brand of woke washing, the act of cashing in on social justice. And I felt very um, strongly uh, the same about that, to be honest. I, I feel like... I, I felt the cash grab just was sitting right there, man. And again, and again, is that not the exact same bullshit as like um, what 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 American city the American cities that put Black Lives Matter on their streets, like in big yellow letters? You know what I mean? Just like at least at least in that sense, it was um, a community thing. This one's just pure. Just there's some capitalism in that, and I just lose a bad taste in my mouth personally. Anyway, number fourteen. But woke is at its most powerful and valuable when it's lived and not mentioned. When it's not viewed as a quality to be smug about. Big facts. Martin Luther King Jr., Steve Biko, or, yeah, Biko, uh, and Angela Davis didn't declare themselves activists. They didn't have to. Their actions defined them. Woke people know not to and need not describe themselves as woke. Big facts. Big facts. Number 15. Woke has been weaponized, used in conservative media cir- uh, circles as an insult often placed within quotation marks to mean rigid, uptight, and socially and politically puritanical. Yeah, puritanical. Uh, when the Duke and Duchess of Sussex decided to step away from their roles, the Daily Mail complained that Harry went from, <laughs> quote, fun-loving bloke to the Prince of Woke. Oh, 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 that was good. Well done, well done, guys. Um, oh, there are t- 21, sorry. Did I say 17? I meant 21, my bad. Uh, 16. One must, one must always distinguish between woke as an earnest state of mind and woke as satire. The latter almost always pokes fun at the former. The latter is also the most grating due to its smugness. Example, maroon is just navy red. <laughs> Hashtag stay woke. <laughs> Number 17. Dropping the word woke into conversation among strangers in a social setting is a pretty easy way to determine where someone sits on the political spectrum without having to invest too much time in uncomfortable debates. Just watch for the nods, different smiles, or eye rolls. That's a good shout. Number 18. Some have attempted to reclaim woke uh, away from internet misuse, punchlines, and clickbait in the spirit of black consciousness. Eh. I mean, it is what it is. I, I, feel, like, I feel like that's just impossible to do. Like that, that just seems like a futile exercise. If the internet has it and it's being memeified, like, you can't stop that. You can't stop... Like, if you became a meme, you can't stop yourself becoming memed. You know, uh, becoming a meme becoming a meme you know what I mean you can't help you can't help that you can't 
boycott that, you know what I mean? Anyway, 19. Wokeness is often twinned with youthful indignation and optimism. See the scores of students who took part in the People's Vote March against the exit in the UK last year, or the March for Our Lives against gun violence in the US the year before. Also witnessed a record of young, uh, record number of young people who have entered politics in recent years, from Mahari Black, Mahiri... How do you... Mahiri... Come on, Charlie. Mahi, uh, I'm going to say Mahiri... Mahiri... Mahari Black? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. To Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Number 20. Ultimately, wokeness is rooted in love of of self, family, humanity, just as injustice is rooted in hate. And number 21, lastly, despite its inherently pessimistic nature, woke is hopeful. To search for Bardu's beautiful world requires the belief that one is out there, or at least capable of being made. Okay, that's fascinating. That's real fascinating, and uh, you know, I'm not gonna say much on that. Like, I feel, I feel like there was a there was a couple of real nice bars in there. Um, there was a, there was a couple of numbers in there. I think number three uh, slapped, and uh, yeah, it's just and uh, I think uh, what was it number eight or something like that. Uh, <laughs> just read it, and I forgot the numbers already. Uh, but yeah, there, there were a couple in there that was just like that just really spoke to me. And uh, for me personally, I feel like you know, I I appreciate the. Um, I appreciate the origins of it, especially um, the James Baldwin quote is always 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 hits home. To be honest, um, like uh, I remember, I was uh, reminiscing uh, with a friend recently about uh, the BLM protests and uh, in in the summer. And um, you know, I don't know if I said it here on the pull the knife out, seal the wound episode of what's good, but um, I I I remember. The the reason why that particular pro- well I went to a protest right it was a local one um in town, and um as soon as it finished, everyone just started like it was just a flip of the switch, you know what I mean everyone was in unison shouting Black Lives Matter but then as soon as the event finished, everyone was just like talking normally, and like you know just ha ah, you know just bantering with their mates and stuff and I'm just, it just left the worst taste in my mouth, and I feel like James Baldwin quote, uh, Baldwin's quote really comes into frame for me in that es- in that uh, in that moment of just like me like dealing with what was just said, you know. And it took me a week to like really just move on from what I was hearing on that, you know, from on that uh, stage at that point. Um, you know, stuff I haven't. I'm not. It's not new to me, but it, it was just powerful. You know, I mean, just felt. It just felt important to me. Um, and then seeing, you know, just people just chum it up literally as soon as it finished just left the worst taste in my mouth. Like, you lot ain't living with this, clearly. Like, it didn't even stop to think afterwards for a minute or anything. Um, yeah, so, anyway. But, yeah, you know, activists don't say they're activists. Woke people don't say they're woke unless they're being a douche about it. That's how I feel. Um, but, you know. Each to their own. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it at that. Follow the 5th Event Podcast Network. I've been Chai Tony. This has been what's good. Intro music has been Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude music has been Vista by Poldor. You can find both of their tunes and their entire discographies on their websites in the full show notes. Thanks to Joel Breckers for the bit to use these songs. You can also find their entire dis- uh, uh, discography. They've got the Winter Essentials dropping uh, soon. They're doing 12 Days of Chill Hop, uh, doing some real uh, special stuff on that. Uh, so go look them up on that front. And, um, yeah, last episode of 2020. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. I, re- I really did, actually. I relished this one. 
Um, yeah, I'll be back in uh, back in January. What's the specific date? Should I get a specific date for you guys? So you can so you can mark it on your calendars. <laughs> um, I will be back January seventh. I'll be back January seventh. Okay, Thursday, January seventh. Look out for your boy. What's good? We'll be back and better than ever. Of course, um, I mean nothing's gonna change. Uh, maybe for, apart from one thing, but you know, just, um, might might may happen, may not. Um, but anyways, regardless of that, um, it's all gonna be good. And uh, I, I, I hope you all have a you know great last month. Have a great holidays, depending on what you what you celebrate. Um, have a happy New Year as always on the Gregorian calendar anyway. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, look out for you know some digging digit stuff still continuing. Uh, Insert a source still continuing. Entire five VPNs continuing. Um, but I'm just uh, calling it a, calling it a year for myself uh, for this show, just so I can focus on uh, other things. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. It's going to be exciting for me. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, Hope you all have a great uh, rest of the month, rest of the year. Hope you all have a good week, month, 2020, rest of 2020. And 2021, I guess, as well, to start off uh, the new year. I shall always, always try and do the same. Stay woke. And take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.